0: Well, good evening. Um, It's really a pleasure to be here with you this evening. I'm Rena Lewis, Professor of Cultural Studies here at LCF UAL. And it's my very great pleasure to be with you tonight live, in person, to discuss faith and fashion with PC Williams, the BAFTA award-winning costume designer of the Channel 4 and Peacock hit series, We Are Lady Parts. Welcome.
1: (laughs) You know, I did all of that talk about turning my phone on silent and I don't even think I did. Now it is on silent. Sorry. (laughs)
0: Um, We have a heater. Um, If you'd like to come one by one and stand in front of it, you're really welcome to. We'll have to cut that out of the recording. Um, I'm delighted also this evening to celebrate a new internal collaboration between Faith and Fashion and LCF Global. This is the college directorate that collaborates with educational partners, governmental bodies, trade organizations, and brands to address social issues and to innovate new and existing fashion economies. I'm very grateful for their generous support for this event. Before I give a proper introduction to our speaker and our theme, I have, as usual, the housekeeping. If the fire alarm goes off, it is not a test leave by the doors on your right, go down the stairs and exit the building. Once you exit the building, cross the road and move away from the burning building. (laughs) Um, So far that's never happened. (laughs) Toilets are also through your doors there to your right. And please can I remind everyone to turn their phone to silent. So full disclosure, I am having a major fangirl moment, as you can probably tell. I loved, loved, loved We Are Lady Parts, and I am thrilled to have the show's costume designer, PC Williams, here tonight. Aww. Indulge me for a moment while I remind us why this was such a significant show. And if you didn't watch it all yet, spoiler alert, cover your ears. Um, let me see if I can do that one. Yes. Imagine the scene. It's May 2021 and the UK is slowly emerging from lockdown. Like many people who are not frontline workers, I'm having to relearn how to navigate being in public outside my immediate neighborhood. On the cultural front, cinemas, theaters, libraries, museums, and art galleries are just starting to reopen. For me, as for many others during lockdown, cultural consumption has come through the screen at home on TV and via streaming services. So I am blown away when We Are Lady Parts appears on Channel 4. This drama about a group of young Muslim women who set up a punk band is astute and inspiring, clever and heart-wrenching, often laugh out loud funny, and totally, totally immersive in its depiction of pre-pandemic London in all its super diversity. Written, directed and produced by the super talented Nida Mansoor, Lady Parts showed us characters and a storyline that challenged limiting stereotypes about Muslim women and Muslim men. The writing is fantastic, the acting is top-notch, the directing is innovative, and this is a show that could not have succeeded without the right costume design. And I should just say the image here is from the Blap, That's what it is from the short Yeah, the recording that's the the pitch for the programme. So not all of the character, not all of the actors from the actual series are in there. In case anyone. Two of them are different. I know. It really confused me. (laughs) Not being in the industry. Um, PCs costumes added nuance and complexity to the depiction of Muslim families and cultures the character's visual presentation demonstrated the intersections of religious identities with race and ethnicity with diaspora and nationality class and sexuality i rewatched the series when i was preparing i now have a really tough job um, <laughs> and i was awed again by the clever costume designs for the main protagonist like science student and lead guitarist amina here in the center but this time around I really noticed more clearly the importance of the costumes created for the supporting characters, from Armina's parents to the clothing of non-speaking characters in a scene at the community center, from the party outfits worn by women and men at the gender segregated engagement party of Armina's best friend, Noor, to the clothes passing our eye in the canteen at their university, and why oh why wasn't this said at UAL? We'll have to change that. <laughs> to the audiences at the band's gigs. Whenever we see a body on screen, the clothes, the hair, the hair covering, and the accessories tell us volumes about individuals and the society they inhabit. This richness of visual information would not be possible without PC's skills as an experienced costume designer and stylist. Now, these talents of yours would be generically valuable to any program you work on. What interests me for our conversation today is how PC brought her creative intelligence to bear on a brief that centered on religious identity and religious dress cultures. PC trained at UAL at Central St. Martin's and built a career that segues between styling and costume design, working with narrative across still and moving image in advertising, fashion and music, as well as TV and movies. PC's created campaigns for many brands, including Nike and ASOS, and you've shaped editorial for, amongst others, Vogue, Vogue Italia, ID, and Hunger magazines. PC's film credits and TV credits include The Baby, HBO Sky, Mm -hmm. Dreamland, Sky also, and The Kitchen, which I think is currently in post-production. That's
1: in post for Netflix, yeah, out next year. Out next year. And there's quite a few things out next year, but we can talk about that. PC is super (laughs) busy. we can talk about that later. Um,
0: In 2021, PC was included in the BAFTA Breakthrough class and then went on in 2022 to win Best Costume Award for We Are Lady Parts. PC for several years took up the road at CSM and continues to contribute to art and design projects within community to create spaces for young people of diverse backgrounds in the creative industries. At UAL, we continue to strive to foster meaningful inclusion for our staff and our students, to create educational experiences that bring our whole selves into the UAL environment, and to help advance equality of opportunity. Into the creative sectors into which our students graduate. So I'm delighted to have the opportunity to discuss this tonight. As I ask you to join me once more in a warm welcome for PC Williams.
1: <laughs> I really like the idea of that being read out whenever I walk into a room. I feel like that's just how I should be I'm, so... <laughs> it, um, I'm going to really get useful. a bit. Thank hard. you. Thank you for that that was really lovely
0: you're welcome it's all very uh heartfelt and true i think we're going to start now with the trailer for the program to give you a refresher on quite what it is that we're talking about and how delightful it is so if we could roll the movie please (laughs) roll it i've always (laughs) wanted to say and then we'll come back to some conversation We are Lady Parts. Here's a little something we thought you might like.
2: That is me, 26, Capricorn, finishing a PhD in microbiology. And this is Lady Parts, a confused mix of hash anthems and sour girl power. Our sound is thin. We need something more. We need lead guitarists. We don't need a wanky, self-indulgent guitar soloist jizzing all over our songs. This decided. Who would have thought that our orbits were soon to collide? You. You went to St. Abigail's Primary School. You played guitar in the talent show. You got expelled for selling school furniture. Verily, tis I. Play something, play something. Play something. <laughs> I don't perform. My nervy disposition induces diarrhea and vomiting. Ew. I vowed I would never perform again, but Lady Parts had other plans. She's our guitarist. It was kind of like therapy, but with a lot of screaming. Hey, you got a problem with my lyrics? You could do less, more. Hey! To To our newest band member, a delightful freak show, Mm -hmm. and our great new friend. Wait, am I really that bad? You're that good. We're sisters, our music is about representation. I've been heard. You're in a punk band? Yes, ma.
1: And you haven't been Mm-mm.
2: or this is us by us for us. Oh yeah.
0: That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, it was so gorgeous. Um, I'm presuming, PC, that in the brief for We Are Lady Parts, Mm. it was clear that the characters' religious identities would impact on their appearance. And that's not necessarily the case with every project you work on. Yeah. Did you need to do different sorts of research for this?
1: Yeah, I think so. Nida, who is our writer-director, she... um, had a very clear idea of how each girl would how each girl would interpret her religious identity through her dress and it was really important to nida that uh, mom taz was in a niqab it was really important to nida that we had different types of headdress it wasn't all the same and it was also really important that one person didn't wear a a hair covering and um so, when thinking about what each girl would wear and how she'd interpret that it was really it was really key for me to like think about their cultural identity and how that might play a part in how their religious identity is portrayed um and so yeah, it was the research part of it I'm not Muslim I don't know a lot about the Muslim faith in terms of clothing, what's you know like there's obviously everyone will know about like a full covering, but that's one thing of a plethora of things that that Muslim women embody. Um, so I, I, I had, um, someone join my team who was Muslim who could advise me and everyone else on what felt true. Um, who could advise me on where I could push and and where I needed to be mindful and respectful and stick within the, the, the limits of, of the items. So one of the things that's really interesting about this show and that you will have seen
0: from those clips is that the program deliberately shows ethnically diverse Muslims. Yeah and Muslims with different degrees of religiosity who are situated, who live in different types of community and families. So you very kindly shared uh, your character sketches, your costume sketches, and some um, costume design boards. So we're gonna talk through a few of those and see how you worked your way through. So we're gonna start with Amina Amina and Syrah, who, so this is Amina, Amina. And, and Saira. Syra, yeah. and Amina is kind of they're kind of polar opposites. So. Amina is a young woman who strives to perform a conservative vision Mm. of Muslim womanhood, much to her mother's frustration. Mm. Whereas Saira is a character who demonstrates rebellion Mm -hmm. against all sorts of things, including any sign of gender restriction. So do you want to talk us through how you came at the way they look? Should we go back to Amina? Yeah,
1: so with with Amina, um, she's a PhD microbiology student. That already tells you a lot about what she, how she's going to present. Right. Um, and she is actively seeking a husband. She's on these like Muslim dating apps for like, you know, seeking a husband. I'm not here to date. I'm here to find a man and like get married and have a family. And her, she's conservative in her appearance. But her parents are the polar opposite. They are they reject all forms of conformity and homogenous beings, you know? So I wanted to try and find a way of giving her her identity, but also as she develops through the season, when she starts to allow her hanging out with the band to af- affect how she dresses, for it to make sense, because you can see that she comes from this familial setting where this isn't something that's forced upon her, this is a choice. And I think that was really important to us. i didn't We didn't want it to be like she's forced to wear a head covering. She's forced to, you know, cover up. It, it's it has to come across it has to be her choice. That is how she chooses to present herself. And I think that's what was key. Sorry to interrupt you. I think that was, what was key because I think whenever we think about Muslim women, there's this idea and notion that go that goes Muslim women dress equals oppression. And it's really important that through this show, we were going against that. You know, so even those who are fully covered, that's a choice that they've made. It's not something that's been oppressed and placed upon them.
0: One of the things I noticed watching it again is that Amina's wardrobe is mm. almost a character in the show yeah we often you know she's got the photo of Don McLean pinned up on the inside of the wardrobe. We often see her standing in front of the wardrobe mm-hmm. discussing with her friends what to
1: wear. yeah did
0: you choose particular sort of styles of clothing or colors for her?
1: So I wanted to keep her very much pastel and really twee, really cute, you know she doesn't look like she should be in a punk band. And when she starts rocking out, like in that in that clip, you see her rocking out with like the wind and, the, and it's like, that person shouldn't be rocking out like that, but it makes all kinds of sense. Um, and she also needed to fit into Noor's gang. So Noor is her best friend. And I wanted them to be the Muslim version of the girls in Clueless, where they walk into a room and they're all in like the same color palette. And they kind of, as you see them, they always look like they're from the same wardrobe. So they're either all in different shades of blue or they're all in, and you know, so her dress set style is in keeping with what they would have worn. It's all modest. It's up to the wrist. It's, you know, covered up. It's nothing too tight. It's, you know, um, And in comparison to Cyrus, Cyrus like, fuck it. I just want to I'm going to wear four items of clothing. They're never going to get washed. And that's just how I live. You know, Um, she doesn't wear a head covering on purpose. You know, she does. She's removed from her family. Her family is super religious. Um, You find out in this in in, through the season that she's obviously had this like super emotional, heavy um, time with her sister passing. And how, and dealing with that, and and her family trying to deal with that, um, but she, you know, it's her bedsit, it's her space that they rehearse in. It's she's the one who's written the 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 band. Um, what's it called? Oh, what's that thing called that they wrote? The song? No, not the songs, but like their um, manifesto. Their manifesto. It's all you know. It's, she's she's she is the middle finger to the man type woman. But I think what's important is as much as she is that, when you see her praying, she is respectful of the idea of having to be covered up. And so you see her in her beanie. And that is, it's is—it's—it's in, intentional that she doesn't wear, because it doesn't, you know, a head covering can be anything. And this is her version of doing that. And I thought that was really powerful. And the beanie, like the black
0: knit cap, mm. you can see on the top left there, I hadn't noticed that. You know, it's so integrated with her characterization. Mm. When I watched it the first time, it didn't jump out at me. Mm-hmm. When I was rewatching in preparation for this, I thought, oh, that's really clever.
1: Yeah.
0: So there's this small detail that yeah. really, really tells a lot. And um, <gasps> Bisma. Bisma. Given the ethnic diversity of the cast, did this also mean that you were making costume and style decisions, for example, about hairstyle and treatment?
1: So Bisma was the character that I was most drawn to. She's British Nigerian. I'm Nigerian and Guyanese. She's second second generation immigrant. I'm a second generation immigrant. A lot of my cultural identity comes from being Nigerian, but also from being born and raised in Hackney around different people from different spaces. Like on my estate, we had like travelers, we had Ghanaians next door, Turkish, like there were so many different people. And Bisma is a representation of that, you know? Bisma, you often see her with some form of African print, whether it's her hair covering, also this idea that like just wrapping our hair can be a covering rather than having to have a traditional hair covering. And so getting, always getting in like her African prints through that. And she is a very much the kind of girl who um, is into vintage clothing. So, like, having fun, like, sourcing all of these vintage things for her. Um, it was really nice sitting down with a hair and makeup designer, Claire Carter, and talking about what her hair would have been, like, underneath her headscarf. Whether she's got braids, whether her hair would have been relaxed. Like, Because as black women, we're always changing our hair. Whether or not you're wearing a head covering or you're... Not wearing a head covering you're still doing something to your natural hair so how would we see that through her hair coverings Um, and Faith Amole was incredible she had such such amazing ideas the image the black and white image in the middle is actually my great aunt Um, and my family are from from uh, Kaduna uh, in, in the north of Nigeria and although we're Christian it's a Muslim state so everyone covers their hair and so that, that was like, um, yeah, that image really spoke to me about what we could do with 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 Bissima's costumes. And she often wears her hair in a head
0: wrap, in yeah. a turban, so that her neck is showing. Sometimes yeah. she's wearing a polo, sometimes yeah. she's not. So again, you're showing a variety of ways yeah. in which women who elect to cover their hair yeah. are achieving modesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the other things that's interesting about this is that we also see the women in situations where they're in a women-only space mm-hmm. and they have uncovered. Yeah. So you yeah. are showing dress and hair covering as part of an ongoing set of
1: wardrobe decisions that happen. As a choice, day. yeah. yeah. Mm. We're showing it as a choice, you know? And I think what was really interesting is that we got a lot of backlash for showing the women without their hair coverings in women-only spaces ah um and it was like why would you do that because they if they're wearing coverings they should be wearing we shouldn't see what their hair is like and it's like bro this is tv
0: <laughs>
1: you know like but that was one of the things that did come back to when 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 the show went out like people just didn't agree with the fact that we showed any you know with montaz the fact that we showed her eyes or her it was like why have you shown that she wears a niqab she should be protected at all times da, 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 da. and it was like she chooses to put this on when she goes out into the world, but in her home space, she doesn't have to. And she choo- she's noticed her and her man, and we wanted to show her outside of the covering, you know? Um, I think this was the hardest character to design for because I think that the, the rules were ones that I couldn't really mess around with, you know? And so you have to, I had to be so respectful to what that, this item of clothing means within a religious setting, you know, what it, what it means to the women who choose to wear this. And so I didn't want to play around with it too much, but I did want her to stand out. I wanted her to feel like she had something like, you know, Amina has like 40 something outfits. Aisha has 40 something outfits. Momtas has four niqabs. And as a non-Muslim woman, playing a Muslim woman who is covered up 99% of the time, it was a really hard role for Lucy to take on because a lot of your acting is through your face and and she's having to make sure everything's just in her eyes and it was, yeah, I mean, and also she'd come, out of, she'd come out of her trailer in her blue police niqab and Aisha's coming out in this whole new outfit and she's like, oh God, I'm in this again, you know, it's, you know, it's pump, pumping her up to know that actually, even though these feel restrictive because it's not what you would choose to wear and because it's, and because it's so true to what a niqab is meant to be, you're still showing something more than, you know?
0: And did it mean that things like makeup footwear, accessories became more important in the characterisation?
1: Yeah. I mean, Mumtaz, we needed to show that she was like, she's the heavy metal rock one out of all of them, Mm. you know? And so she always has on these like Camden studded metal covered boots and always got her gloves on and her spikes and her chains. And it was really important that she had that, that allowed her niqab to feel contemporary. I mean, her boots are bigger than my car. Really. <laughs> They're a real statement. They are a statement boot, but I think it's you know trying to a nick, It's hard when you're doing some using something like a niqab and making it contemporary because it's traditional dress that's been around since the beginning of time. But with those small additions, you get to feel like you're in 2020. I mean, God, it feels so long ago, But you get to feel like you're in 2020 when you were shooting. And then you yeah, we we actually finished filming this this week in 2020 so it's so weird that it's been two years already um you've talked a little bit about how your own experiences
0: Mm. helped feed into an understanding of the importance of religious cultures in people's lives yeah (coughs) excuse me and also that you made sure to bring muslim women into your design team to to help you with that Mm. um Did you know whether any of the actors were themselves Muslim? Did it make a difference if they were?
1: Um, So...
0: Is that something
1: you... No, 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 it it is. It's something I I asked, actually. I I, I know Lucy's not Muslim. Um, I think Aisha, who plays... I mean, Juliet, who plays Aisha, I believe she is. Um, I can't remember if... Faith is Christian. Who plays? Who who plays Bisma. And... um, Amina, I can't remember what 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 religion um, Ange is, but we spoke about it. You know, we spoke about their research of the religion and how that will come through in, you know, in, in the character and the characterization of these of, of these women. We spoke about the bits of religious stress that they thought were important to keep for their character. So whether it was the hair coverings, whether it was the hemlines, whether it, you know, we spoke about all of those sorts of things and our uh, Ikra, who joined my team, who is who is Muslim, um, she was always part of the conversations with the actors about where they felt comfortable for us to push, and where Ikra felt maybe we would maybe we don't go that far, and maybe we pull it back a bit. And actually, I think Ikra's thing was there are so many Muslim women who don't. You walk around every day, and like you can't go, oh, that that person's Muslim, that person's Muslim. You don't know because we're just women walking around in the, in this world. So she's like, I don't, we shouldn't be trying to make everyone be the stereotype of what a Muslim woman is meant to be. But the, I mean, the sites that she would send me to, the, the the websites of like all these like these like fashion blogs of modest dressing, I'm like, wow, I had no idea that it was that wide of a spectrum, you know. Mm. Um, so that was, that was a really like, interesting uh, learning moment for me to be like, there's a really great book called um, Contemporary Muslim Dress or Contemporary, uh, it's amazing, it's got all these like, it's like a picture book, but I, we, we we would literally go through contemporary that.
0: Contemporary Muslim Fashion from the exhibition. Yes. That I consult curated on. Ah, I'm so glad
1: you used ah. that. Ah, yeah, I used that. That was such a great book. <laughs> I didn't even pay her. <laughs> But it's amazing, you know, what it happened in my studio, but you know, we, we went through that and I was the like, the spectrum of style of dress is what I found the most like inspiring. And what I loved on
0: re-watching it, like I said in my opening, was it was so, it was like walking down the street in yeah. London and yeah. seeing what I see. Mm. And you don't often see that on TV mm. and I think, the the concern about you're saying you know bro it's just tv Mm. of course it's the politics of scarcity Mm. we don't often see this on tv Mm. this is like many communities don't see themselves reflected much on tv and so therefore expectations are high and anxieties are high about if it's a bit wrong because it's not like somebody can say oh yes but that film that's on tomorrow night that gives a different angle on this
1: i don't have you you know it's really interesting i didn't have i didn't have any like worries, or, or I, didn't, I didn't feel any expectation to represent, I'm representing the life that I know. It's, I can't get it wrong. Do you know what I mean? I walk down, I walk, I'm just represent. I'm, I am replicating what I see day in, day out in Dalston, in Hackney, in, you know, Stamford Hill, in, in Shoreditch, in Bethnal Green, in Stepney Green. Like I was, we were saying this earlier, I find it so mind boggling when people are like, guys, you've made this show that's like, groundbreaking and I'm like come and hang out for a day like it's it's really just a reflection of what already exists what's telling is that many people don't see that and that's I think the bigger thing you know because actually these women aren't hiding women like me aren't hiding women like Mumtaz aren't hiding We're we're everywhere People just don't see see it. And there's an assumption, actually, when you see someone like Bismo, who's got her hair wrapped in her African print headscarf, that that's just like, it's a style choice as opposed to being a religious style choice. You know, who's to say what the choice... some women it might be. Exactly. exactly. Some women it it has nothing to do with faith, but some women it does have to do with faith. But Mm -hmm. you as an outsider are looking at it, and you might not necessarily, because it's... Bisma's, you're looking at, you go, oh, she's a Muslim. But someone like, Iq- uh, like um, like not Bisma, Amina's, you're looking at, and you're like, oh, she's Muslim. But someone like Bisma, it's just like, oh, that might just be her style, her sense of style. But you know what I mean? And I think that was what was what was where I felt really comfortable is that I felt comfortable just representing women that I knew in the way, in, in a way that felt true to them and I knew that if we got, if we represent, if we did it correctly, people will watch it and see themselves reflected. And that was—I think for me—that's what I was trying to. That was the aim of the show: was to for people to feel seen. And know? I think that's one of the reasons
0: why. I mean, a it was great telly. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it was.
1: Yeah. Need is a genius, so.
0: Yeah. It was <laughs> really great. Could we go on to the next slide, please? Um, I think the other thing. That was so interesting about it, as you say, is that it was about people seeing themselves reflected. And before we open for audience contributions and observations and questions, I want to talk a little bit about who gets to see themselves reflected in the Mm. professional world Mm. and who finds a space. Because you are proactive, PC, in encouraging people of color within yeah. the industry, and as you know well, having worked here for many years, there's something that we're still working on at UAL. We're aware of the deficit of equality yeah. of opportunity in the fashion industry and in the creative arts in general.
1: Yeah,
0: Could you reflect about if and how things have changed across the span of your career and also where you are now as a successful and prominent person of color in your field, Mm. what sort of opportunities or or pressures appear to
1: you? Um, Okay. So I'll start with the second one where I am now. I refuse to work in an all white team. I refuse to, I refuse to do it. I don't understand how as a woman of color in a position of power, um, I maintain the status quo that's been before me. I also have never worked for anyone as a designer. So I don't know how other people do it. In my teams, it's really important that I'm at least 50-50. 50-50 in terms of um, cultural identity. Now, there are many things that can be taught and I feel like a lot of people just don't want to bother doing that. They want people to come in who already know and they can just hit the ground running. And I think part of part of the responsibility as a head of department is to train the next generations of head of departments, right? And so it's to get people in who might not necessarily have had access to the space that I'm in, and teach them how to do what is what I to do what it is that I'm doing.
0: And as head of
1: department, just to explain to people not in the industry mm. what that what. So there's a costume designer on a project, right? So when I'm when we get when I start uh, crewing up. There are, and I don't want to just employ people, get people in as trainees. Because I think that, you know, after 2020 and George Floyd, there was this massive push by film and TV to like hire every single black and brown person as a trainee so they've got access to this space. And it's like, but yet every single person on the top is white. Or every every single person at the top is like a man, you know? It's like, it's not just that you have the same, the sameness at the top and then you're just like, getting new people and in at the bottom yeah you need to ha- you need to be introducing people at different levels and so it's really important to me that we have people both as trainees as assistants within the design team who represent different communities my projects are uh, and this is not without me being like big headed my projects are brilliant because of the people that i have employed to do those projects it's not because I'm doing the project. It's because I've got this group of people who come in with a diverse, diversity of thought and together we attack this creative problem. And you bring in your 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 knowledge from here, your knowledge from here, your knowledge from here. We distill it and out comes this final project. It's what happened on this show, you know? There was me, my ACD, who's half Jamaican, half English. My... Um, Ikra, who is Muslim, um, Sarah, Bella, and Abby, who are Sarah and Bella, are white ladies, and Abby's from 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 the valleys in, in Wales. And this idea of us all coming down together to create this show was what was so special about this show. Abby, like the. Abby's a genius. The girl who worked with us, and she did like all of the things with, you know, the guy at this in, in episode one where he like rips his shirt off because he comes and, you know, she had so many ideas. And she doesn't come from this from this world, but she's like, oh, we could do it like this, or we could do it like this. I wasn't even thinking along those lines, you know. So I think there's a responsibility on heads of department to do better in their employment pra- practices, but that's also risky. You've just got to be willing to take that risk, and you've got to be willing to put in the time. And to want to see something different. I think that there are more black and brown designers working now. There's a there's a there's a group called the Black Costume Network. And I look at all the designers, like this year we've had I won a BAFTA, Vivine won an Emmy, like, and these are all people from here who are doing amazing things. And who are now being in positions where they can make the change that they wanna see. Unfortunately, the change doesn't happen unless you force it to happen. And so you've gotta have people who want to want change, you know, and who want to have those really frank conversations. Like, why do we have such a deficit with black and brown and uh, socioeconomically disadvantaged young people in, in UAL? Why is that? It's not because they're not great. What are we, what, how, do we be, how do we do things differently to support them so that they can succeed? That's the sort of thinking that I take into my into my space outside of here. And if we want to diversify our teaching teams and, and our staff base all together, then people have to feel welcome to be here when they're here. Yeah. I mean, I taught at CSM for about 10 years on the foundation and on like the 50 person teaching team. For seven of those ten years, I was the only person of colour, hmm. and I just think to myself, "Are you, are you joking me?" <laughs> and then I'm working on WP programs where I'm trying to get in all these Widen- young, participation. yeah, widening participation because I'm trying to get in all these kid, all these kids into art and design, and I'm like, "But I'm bringing you into an entirely white space." You know, there's there's just we've just yeah, we've got lots so, of work to do, but I think we I think we're I think people want to do the work, you know, and people want to we understand that actually by doing the work, the outcome is going to be amazing, you know?
0: And we need to see those advances not be lost. Yeah. You know, we've seen this with other struggles. It's very easy to see some advances mm. and it doesn't necessarily establish a new baseline. Mm-mm. It can disappear quite easily. So yeah. that's what's really, really important. And this
1: is what I was saying about this idea of like getting people of getting uh, diverse people into trainee roles as opposed to stepping them into roles within the chain Mm -hmm. so that you've got you know it's not just it's so amazing when I see my team and they can look up and see a black woman who's the who's leading the ship you know and they can see a, a a a black woman who's on who's the second in command or you know those sorts of things I was just did a feature I just finished my film with Jodie Comer and Benedict Cumberbatch and all of my standby team so all the girls the people on my team who are on the floor on set every day with the actors doing all the standby work it was three black women and it's like to go to set and see that is incredible because it just does not happen you know so yeah
0: and it's like i remember when um, Halima Aden who as many will know very famous as a, a black Muslim fashion mm. model who always had it written into her contract, unusually, that she would never appear without her hair covered, that mm. she would have somewhere <laughs> private to change. I mean the Model Alliance was pushing for some of those things just as better working conditions that you shouldn't be stripped naked backstage with the press around. Mm. And you know, she did stop, step back from catwalk for a while. And one of the things she said was she was often the only Muslim on the set. You Mm. know, we need to have people with all sorts of diversity at each stage. Yeah. Just before we open, I wanted to ask you whether in relation to equality of opportunity, Mm. you have any observations about whether diversity and inclusion is encouraging people from different religion and belief traditions to be involved in the creative industries.
1: I think it's really important when you're doing a project that's has a religious identity to make sure you get people in who have that shared experience. But I think that you don't only get them in for those jobs. You get them in for other jobs, jobs where it isn't about religion because just because they're not advising you on religion doesn't mean that they can't advise you on everything else. And so I think often people can be um, pigeonholed into doing one thing. Oh, this person's great to have as a Muslim advisor for this show. But actually you start chatting to that person and they've, they're just creative. They just want to make costumes. They want to tell stories. You've now met them. It's now my my. I now have the opportunity to take them onto a different show with me. That's got nothing to do with religion. That they can also be equally valuable. I think. I'm just conscious. So. My when I when I got offered to do the end we start from, I was like, oh, I just don't know if I want to do like a story that's centered around whiteness and da da da, and I was and 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 I was like. Uh, I was talking to my best mate, MJ Delaney, who's a director, and she was like, but PC, if you do this job that's not around, like, about the black community or a minority community or about religion or faith, and it's just a story that anybody else could be telling, you're showing people who look up to you that they can do those stories, that they don't just have to do the roadman films or like the gang culture films that they can also do come into like mainstream HBO shows or go into like mainstream, you know, working title features. And I hadn't really thought about that, but it's something, you know, you can't be what you don't see. And the more you see, Different types of people getting roles which are usually associated with an older white woman or an older, black, a older white man, and it's actually a young black woman or a younger black. Once you see those sorts of things, you're like, ah, oh, okay, so I can do. I can tell those sorts of stories. They don't just have to be stories that are about where I'm from and our cultural identity and the struggles of 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 being a migrant. It can also be just stories about climate change because we're all dealing with climate change <laughs> and,
0: and I think that's where people being able you know depending on your appearance mm. you do or don't have a choice about being out mm. being black or being brown mm. but people don't necessarily always register visually as mm. being from a faith community yeah. which is not just about piety it's about the type of community and cultural heritage you bring with you yeah So then opportunities to be able to be out about that without without that impeding your ability Mm. to show as someone who is a creative Mm. is incredibly important. I also
1: think that sometimes people think that because of how they present, they might not get those jobs, so they don't even go for them. Mm. And I think that's the biggest travesty because I think that... I would love to get more CVs from people who... Do you know? But it's true. You know, like people sometimes stop themselves from being even considered because it's like, oh, I'm never, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna have a chance. So what's the point? And it's like actually there is a point because you have got something to offer, and the more you're putting yourself out there, you don't, you 100, you know, the more you're putting yourself out there, the more chance you are going to have of of getting onto into into that space and being able to develop a career and make your mark. You know. Um, Yeah, but that's what I would say. So, before we deluge PC with our CVs, (laughs)
0: we We are now going to open for questions and contributions uh, from you, our audience. We're recording this because we will put the recording up afterwards on our webpage, so please wait for the microphone to come around. Um, If you want to tell us who you are before you pose your question or contribution, please do. Uh, But otherwise, pitch in. Can I see anybody who wants to start us off? because I've got plenty else first. to ask. Ooh. <laughs> Shy crowd. Uh. So tell me. I want to ask you another, well, I want to ask you a question about, were there any of the decisions that you made during the process of styling the show that surprised you? So mm. costume calls that went in a
1: completely different direction or where you had to tweak something. Do you know what was, re- it was really interesting um, was designing Noor's costumes. So Noor is the best friend of of the lead guitarist. Yeah. And Noor, to me, is the most... You know, she has a go at her friend for making a playlist that's got, like, I don't know, pony on it because it's like, oh, it's too sexual. She's the kind of very much very strict um, Muslim women. But I thought when we started, when we started researching how, what Noor's direction could be, there are so many cool, but modest women out on Pinterest who've got these amazing followers. Um, And she, I thought that she would be quite dowdy. And she ended up being the polar opposite of dowdy. And that's all Ikra, actually. Um, because in my idea, when I was reading her off the page, I was like, oh, she's gonna, she's, she'll be cool, but she'll be like dowdy and like, and Ikra was like, no, if she's this girl, I can't remember, there's this website she sent me to. And I was like, this is modest fashion. She was okay. like, yeah. I completely recognize. So she's <laughs> like
0: high femme, super elegant, yeah. Color-toned outfits, mm-hmm.
1: um, sort of quite generally long yes. garments, but like really high maintenance. Yeah. Super beautiful. At some point, she wears a beret as a head covering. She, she, her head coverings were very. Every outfit had a different ty- way of tying her headscarf, and. That was really fun to, like, come up, like, to, to, to think about and to design and to be like, OK, well, with this outfit, maybe we'll do a head covering like this. Or one of my favourites was when she just had it. It was like a two-tone scarf and she just had, like, a little knot and then you had the fabric just, like, for loosely flowing and she's walking through this corridor and it's just, like, wafting around. It was just like, you know, there's so... She, was, she wasn't she was what I originally thought she was going to be. And that's 100% down to Ikra opening up opening up my eyes to the variety of modest fashion and the interpretations of of that. Um, So yeah, she would be the one I would think about. I Um, I mean, she was a whole fashion story on her own. Her wedding dress was a sequined and beaded, like it weighed a ton. I remember the first time she tried it on, she was like, I think I'm gonna faint. I was like, I'm so sorry. And we and originally we had her with the head covering that went into the wedding dress, and she was just like, it's too heavy, and this is just too tight, and it's just like all a bit. She's like, I'm gonna, fight. I'm gonna I need to sit down. And I was like, okay, we need to think, of, we need to change this. But it was like a crystal ball. Um, I enjoyed that wedding dress a lot.
0: <laughs> I've got a, uh, I've got a question there, and then two here. Can we go to the lady? Uh, in the raincoat, by the I'm sorry, you're freezing. I can see people begging for blankets. Um, if we take your question and then we'll we'll come over here.
2: Hi, good evening. Hi. Uh, my name's Ruth and I work here at LCF. Hi, Ruth. Um, first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much, PC, for an incredible talk. Oh, the show is incredible and nice. I've loved watching it previously, and I'm definitely going to go back and have a rewatch of it again but the points that you mentioned, I think one thing that really resonated when you mentioned the reference to the clueless um, element, yeah. and I think watching it, seeing all um, of their friends, that that's just something that really, like it really resonated. I could see exactly what you were referring to where you mentioned that. So yeah. thank you very much for that. But um, So sort of like two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about your experiences of um, creating the costume and creating that, that element of the show, what would you say is the most significant part or time that you've experienced whilst you are doing that. Uh-huh. And also, um, I think that's... So what would you say is the most significant part of being in that experience? I think I had another element of the question, and I'll see if I remember that, but I'll see okay. what you say to this one first. Yeah.
1: I think... Thank you. And I'm sorry, I couldn't recognise you from down here. <laughs> I need a better prescription. Um, oh. I think the the most important part is the research. Like, none of it... None of it comes to life without that. And it's the... I get really academic about it um, and it's like my, my desk is just books um, and it's a lot of wasting of paper, photocopying things and sticking things up and sticky dots and ripping stuff off the wall and putting something else up, but it's all the research. It's, the, it's trying to understand the nuance that we can create in each person's well, wardrobes And so I don't design costumes, I I curate wardrobes. And from those wardrobes, we then put looks together that become the costumes. Um, I think the one person we didn't talk about on this was the character of Aisha. She has the big, uh, she's got huge hair, massive hair. And she's also really fucking cool in real life. And anything I put her in would just have done her a total, like, injustice. So actually, her character is based on her. So that is the stuff that she would wear. And I remember when we were were sourcing her costumes, my ACD, Misty, my assistant costume designer, Misty. Oh my God, I turned into one of those people who speaks in acronyms. My assistant costume designer, Misty, bought loads of stuff and we had it on like these rails. And then I chose the things that I liked. We popped them in a suitcase and carried them to her house. And I was like, have a play and send send me outfits you like. And she just sent me selfies of things, the looks that she thought like worked for her, or you know made sense to her character, and and that's how we built her costume. But it was, but I spent so much time like on that girl's Instagram page, and like on like, anything to do with this, I was just like finding all the images. And she's she's Iraqi. No, no, no. She's I believe she's she's Iraqi Iranian. No, she's Iraqi. And so like a lot of her jewelry, for instance, are things that. She would show me images of like her mum's jewellery or her nan's jewellery, and we'd try to replicate them. That research part, when you're like figuring out what's going to come in, what's going to... By the time we get to shooting it, I'm bored. I don't want to be on set. It's like I've got nothing to do. But the design process, the research process, that's the bit that like I'm like, okay, I'm excited. Um, so yeah, that's the big part um, for me.
0: Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it away from you because we've got two more questions there, and we'll come back to you if we've got time. Is that okay? Uh, So we've got two questions here. So you choose who's going first. In fact, can we take both your questions at the same time? And then if they're linked up, you can answer both.
2: Okay. Hi, I'm a first year advertising student at LCC. Um, And where I'm from, Malaysia, um, like modest fashion is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to ask you, what was um, working on lady parts, what was the biggest uh, learning outcome about Muslim culture or like modest
0: fashion Uh for you? that's okay. a good question thank
2: you and your question is um i'm sonia i'm third year advertising and um i'm from france so there's like a big gap between malaysia <laughs> <laughs> um, so my question was
0: while styling all of those women mm-hmm. does the islamic hijab was the issue